Thank you for joining us on the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory Church, we're all about helping people win. And today's message is going to help you do just that. So, let's get started. Right on. Good morning, everyone. As you can see, I am not Pastor Gary. In fact, I wasn't supposed to speak this morning, but about a week ago, I got a text. It was late at night. I don't know what time it was over in... That's right, he's in Hawaii. Asking me if I would fill in the last minute. Hated to do this to me, but didn't have any problem asking, did he? (laughs) For a moment there, I thought to myself, I've got him right where I want him. He's sitting on the beach with sand between his toes, and he's asking for a favor. And the reality is I can't do that to our pastor. So I said, sure, let's do this. But it is a pleasure to be with you this morning. I do have a message that I want to bring to you this morning entitled, What's in Your Wallet? What's in your wallet? We think about uh, Jennifer Garner, I think is her name. She's the spokesperson for the Venture One Capital Card, isn't she? And if you want to live life to the full, if you want the adventure, you want to you succeed, reach your dreams, you've got to have their credit card. Well, I'm, wanna hear, I'm here this morning to tell you, you don't need that credit card. This morning, we want to talk about living life to the fullest, accomplishing the God dream that's inside of us. And it all starts with having the right priorities. So this morning, we're going to have a focus on priorities. There's a couple of folks we're going to look at in the New and Old Testament to kind of help us shine some light on this. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, this morning... Thank you for the opportunity to come here. God, I just pray that you'd give the people open hearts to hear what you've placed inside of me. Give me the words to say. Be with our time this morning, Holy Spirit, in your name. Amen. Amen. Our key scripture this morning is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 16 and verse 3. It says, to commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Pretty basic, isn't it? I think we all have dreams, we all have goals, we all have that desire to do more inside of us. Um, You know, I I wrestle personally with this over-creative imagination that I seem to have been born with and this desire to want to do, to conquer, to adventure, to be. How does that fit into God's plan for my life? I'm going to guess that I'm probably not the only one out here this morning that, that does that. The question for us to consider this morning is, how do these things fit into perspective, into God's perspective? In a world that seems to take things to the excess, are we not a world of excessive folks? I mean, you would think, okay, we have a a calling, we have a a thing that we do for a living. But sometimes when we want to succeed, we want to be the CEO, we want to be the best that we can be at all these things, it can lead to this thing called being a workaholic. If suddenly we want to look the best, we want to stay up with the latest trends to look sharp, to look nice, if we're not careful, we can become a shopaholic, right? We have this thing called sports. It's completely out of control. But before I talk about that, you know the greatest team in football right now are the Kansas City Chiefs. Come on. You know it. Right on. But we can become excessive. We can become obsessed with sports. And I don't know if I want to even mention this last one because it's hitting a little close to home. This thing called hunting, fishing, the great outdoors. It can lead to this trophy score we have in our mind and this obsessive quest to get the biggest and best. 
And my goodness, we become excessive. So what do we do with all of this? You know, I remember at a young age, um, I had a very creative imagination. And I had this box, and in this box were all these hats. And I could pull out a hat, and I could become that character. I had, a, I had an imaginative friend. We had the best of times. We never quarreled. It was amazing. But I could pull a hat out. I could, I could put on that cowboy hat and be the best rope and cowboy you ever saw. I could put on that army hat and be G.I. Joe. The coonskin cap was Davy Crockett. And, of course, my favorite was the police officer cap. I know. I know. But my mom wondered that about me sometimes. And, and I, 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 I can still see her face at times like, oh, my word, this kid... Just short of my 21st birthday, I kind of worked through school. And by the way, I was not the best student. I was very disruptive. I hated school. I longed for recess. I could look outside and see what could be. Oh. It's funny because Brianna, now teaching elementary, will tell me about these boys in her class. <laughs> oh, they're so mischievous. They don't listen. All they want to do, they got this activity, this level of energy. And I go, I love those boys. <laughs> right? They're the ones that are going to be your world changers. They're nonconformist. Sorry, my perspective. But just short of my 21st birthday, I had this thing that was just rolling on the inside of me. I thought I can't take it anymore. I quit life, I quit my job. I walked away from college. It just all seemed to be closing in around me. I timed it with hunting season. Imagine that. <laughs> and I went to the family cabin for 30 days. Never came back. Living off the land, right? Every boy's dream. I'm not sure where it was somewhere along week two, maybe three, as groceries were getting low and you can only eat so many mountain blue grouse. Maybe it was the fact I was a little lonely. I just remember this conversation with the Lord, right? How can I make this thing that's inside of me? I know you must have put it there. How, how, do, how does that fit into your plan for my life? Well, he and I had a moment, and he kind of, and in only the way that he can, encouraged me to engage back with life, at least for now, and we'll figure this thing out as we go. And so I did that. But this morning, how do, you, how do you not just disengage at times and want to go do your own thing? Because really there's a bigger calling on all of us, isn't there? Well, I think it begins with an understanding of God's character. And we don't have to look very far in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, right, God created. He was a creator. He created everything that we have. We go down to verse 27. It says that he created us in his own image. So it stands to reason that there's a creativity inside of us. There's adventure in us. I love verse 28 personally. It talks about the command to fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Every living creature on the ground, all my hunting friends in the house said, Amen. <laughs> God's a creating God. And he put creativity in each one of us. Maybe to bring some clarity to this point, I want to look at two characters in the Bible. There's one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The one in the New Testament, probably a little uh, better known for most of us, and so we'll start with him. 
And that's the story of the rich young ruler. And so let's look at their scripture found in the book of Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 22. Just then a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the rich young ruler inquired. And here's where Jesus sets him up in only the way that he can. He replies, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. That's not all the commands, is it? He purposely leaves out the most important one. But the rich young ruler says this, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Ooh. And in a moment, Jesus puts his finger right on it. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The one commandment that Jesus failed to mention was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. See, Jesus knew that, and so when he lists these ones for the young man to confidently reply, I've done all those things, I've kept all those things, Jesus comes back with, without saying it, well, then how about selling everything you have and come follow me? And the young man loved his wealth more than he wanted a relationship with Christ. His priorities were out of whack. We don't know much about this young man. The Bible doesn't tell us. I mean, we can assume that perhaps he was born into uh, privilege. We know that he had a lot of money. We know that he had a position. But beyond that, we don't know much about him. But what a sad story. In a single moment, Jesus put his finger right on the issue of the heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I can only think, what was the future for that young man? What did that look like? Was he so concerned about his stuff, obviously, that he couldn't get past it? And I thought, don't you think Jesus was capable, if that's the gifting in his life, and that was going to be the way that he could use this young man to bless the world around him? He would replace it with even more than he had? But the young man couldn't see it. He was holding on so tightly to what he had he wasn't willing to open up his hand to what could be. Yes, it's about money, this story, but it's more about the condition of your heart and what's a priority. Well, let's look at a second person and uh, his name. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to go on, a, on an effort to try to pronounce some names. If you've spent any time reading in the Old Testament, whew, that's humbling, isn't it? Yeah, no? Okay, well, we're going to try this fellow is by the name, I'm, I'm going to call him Huram Abai. So just for short, we're just going to call him Huram. He's a blue-collar worker. He's a dude that just knows what he does, but he goes to work every day. He's a master carpenter. And so we get a look into this character in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 2. A little bit of history here. Solomon is building the tabernacle. He's building a place for the Lord's name to dwell in. And he wants to equip it with the best of everything, right? The Lord deserves this. And so he's looking for people who will come and do like master craftsmanship on some of the visions that he has in his mind of what he wants in the tabernacle for the Lord. 
And so he talks to this king of Tyre, and his name, interestingly enough, is also Huram. So let's not confuse the two Hurams. This is Huram the carpenter. Here we go. So this is the king telling Solomon, I'm going to send you Huram Abai, a man of great skill whose mother was from Dan. That's not a, that's not a person, by the way. That's a location. And whose father was from Tyre. He's trained to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood, and with purple and blue and crimson yarn and fine linen. He is experienced in all kinds of engraving and can execute any design you give to him. He will work with your skilled workers and with those of my Lord, David, your father. I want this guy on the payroll, right? I mean, this guy's got it going on. Not only is he a stone worker, he's a woodworker, he's an engraver, he can work with fine linen, and most importantly, he gets along with people. He can work with all your people. I'd hire him just for that. Anyway, so we get a little bit more insight into Huram and who he is. Look at 1 Kings chapter 7, same story. Now this is from King Solomon's perspective, verses 13 and 14. King Solomon sent to Tyre and brought Huram, whose mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and whose father was from Tyre and a skilled craftsman in bronze. Huram was filled with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge to do all kinds of bronze work. He came to King Solomon and did all the work that was assigned to him. Hmm. Well, we know a little bit more about this guy. If you were to look at what he did, I won't go into it, but further down in that chapter, this dude builds this unbelievable thing. I'll, I'll mention some of the things he made. He made lavers and shovels and bowls, 400 pomegranates for two networks, two, of the young, or two rows of pomegranates for each network to cover the two bowl-shaped capitals that were on top of the pillars, 10 carts, 10 lavers on the carts. He made a sea, 12 oxen under the sea, the pots, the shovels, the bowls, all these articles which Huram made for King Solomon of the house of the Lord were of burnished bronze. Pretty impressive. I mean, the Bible goes into great detail about what this dude was about. I'm just kind of keeping in the back of my mind the rich young ruler, kind of an afterthought, isn't he? And a carpenter steals the show because of his skill. Well, he was from the tribe of Naphtali, and it says that his mother was a widow. We don't know what happened. We can assume that perhaps there was a tragedy at a young age. But she remarried, and, and together they had this young man. The tribe of Naphtali did not have a good record, by the way. Uh, they had a lot of disobedience to the Lord. There was a lot of cowardice within this tribe. It was not well thought of. And it was a part of Galilee. Hmm, Interesting. The whole region actually was kind of despised for what they stood for. You know, interesting, another part of Galilee was Nazareth. The lowest of the low. And yet Jesus' hometown was Nazareth. And he began his ministry in the area of Galilee. A carpenter. Hmm. Kindred spirits, maybe. Isn't there always a story behind the story, the way that Jesus works? God moves all these stories around. I mean, that's the thing about the Bible. I can get charged up about it because there's, there's always the story, and then there's the story behind the story. And if we take the time to learn about some of these things, it takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? See, 
I'm venturing to say it doesn't really matter your upbringing in life. You can have privilege, you can have wealth, you can have all of that. It doesn't mean anything. It's right here, a condition of the heart. You know, when I think about these two guys, that there's a distinct difference, and we're, we're told what that is in the book of 1 Kings 7 and 14. It says, he was filled with wisdom, understanding, and skill. In that order. Did you catch that? Wisdom, understanding, and the skill to do his trade. See, he knew who his gift was from. He knew it was given by God. And he fulfilled the calling on his life and the nation by being a master craftsman. Show me somebody that's got a good understanding of who they are in Christ. Who's confident with what they've been given and is about fulfilling the calling on their life. I'll show you somebody make a difference in this world. He was such a man. Huram. So let me digress back to my story that I started when I was a young man. I learned the hard way. I truly do. Had this problem with hunting. I don't know what it is. Those of you that have been in my house, I'm sorry. You, you get what I'm talking about. Um, so Tina and I were married a few years, and um, we hadn't got kids coming on the way yet, but we talked about it. I was currently working the afternoon shift, and it was a 2 to 10. And I had Sunday Mondays off. And so Saturday morning rolled around, and I was busily gathering all of my hunting gear, headed out to the next adventure. When Tina happened by, what you doing? Well, it's pretty obvious what I'm doing. I mean, seriously? I said, well, I'm getting all my hunting stuff ready. Hmm, I see. Heading out, huh? I said, yeah, you know, did, did I get off tonight at 10, and I thought if I'd left soon after I got home tonight... I could run to the family cabin. I could get set up and be out Sunday morning. I could hunt Sunday, Monday. Hmm. Did somebody leave the door open because it's suddenly cold in here? <laughs> she says, you're not going to church with me tomorrow morning. That's not a question, is it? So, well, babe, you know, it's not that I don't want to. But to go elk hunting, right, you need at least two days. You, you can't go elk hunting in one day. It's not possible, especially with the new snow on the ground. Come on, they're moving. She said, okay. Why don't you pray about that? And she walked away. Dirty. That's dirty pool. So I got the rest of my stuff ready. I piled it up and I went to work. The whole day at work, there's just this. Dick, 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 dick. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or my wife's voice. Those of you that have been married a while, you know they're the same thing. I got home. It was close to 11. And I had decided, no, I wasn't going to go hunting. So I rolled into bed. She didn't turn over, but she says, she says, well, with her back to me, not going hunting, huh? I said, no, I, I think I'm going to go to church with you in the morning. She says, I don't need you to take a guilt trip to church with me. 
Did I tell you? I'm married up, by the way, way above my, way above my head. I said, no, no, we'll go, we'll go. So the next morning we went to church. I don't remember what the message was about, but the fact is I was there. Left shortly after that. By the time I got to the cabin, it was late afternoon. A little too late to go out hunting that night, so I thought, well, I'll hit it hard first thing in the morning. So I got up long before daylight, started hiking to my favorite mountain meadow. I get up there, sun comes up. There's not another hunter in the world. I'm like, this is public land. Is this a national holiday? What's going on? There's no hunting. And there I stood with no game around. And I'm sitting there on the hillside with the sun shining, a beautiful day, and I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself. Like, I know if I'd have been here yesterday, I'd have had the elk, I would have had which one to choose from. (sighs) Well, you know about that time this movement at the timberline down below caught my attention, and I looked. Now I look a lot like an elk. Oh, my. That's a big six-point bull. I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta make strategy. Should I go down after them? You know, I, I, suddenly the boom, 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 boom starts, and I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. he's coming right to me. He's like on a string, coming right to me. For those of you that are animal lovers, you just need to plug your ears because I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this thing. That thing comes right up, and, and, and I shoot him. He's dead on the hillside. He's DRT, dead right there. <laughs> I hoop and holler, run down over to this elk, put my gun down. I'm doing the happy dance. Yes. He's beautiful. He's in my family room, if you ever want to see him on the wall. <laughs> Man, this is unbelievable. This is, this is amazing. This is, this, is a, this is a gift, isn't it? So I sat on the hillside, and suddenly I was not alone. Mm, 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 mm. The presence of God was right there. And it was like he was sitting there, and we're looking at this elk together. It was pretty cool. But you know what he said to my spirit? Is life better with me or without me? Mm. Hello, Captain Obvious. (laughs) Is life better with me or without me? You see, I needed to change some things in life. And God didn't hit me over the head with a hammer. He didn't bring a bunch of chaos into my life. He touched my heart the way only he could in a quiet moment on the hillside. You want to bring kids into this world? You want to be the kind of husband you want to be? You want to lead an organization in the future, you better get your priorities straight, mister. And it's not that I'm asking you to give up stuff. It's not that I'm asking you to go have the golden attendance when you get to heaven one day because you didn't miss church. Pastor's not listening to this, is he? It's not about that. It's a matter of the heart. And where are our priorities? And for me, it was the biggest object lesson I've ever had. And I'm here to tell you, I had a few more bumps along the way. But that day right there on that hillside will never be forgotten. 
this morning you're here and you're wondering, you know, I don't know about my priorities. I, I think they're okay. Let me ask you four things just to think about. Is God the first one you talk to about what you're involved in or the last? Do you invite him along for the ride or do you go to him first off? Secondly, if you're married, do you and your spouse agree on how you're spending your time and money? Hmm. That one will preach by itself, won't it? Do you find yourself obsessing about something? And lastly, if you had to walk away from it, whatever it is, could you do it? Can I talk just to the guys here for a second? Ladies, you don't have to listen. Well, listen in a little bit, but guys, I know us. I don't know women. I know us. And the fact of the matter is we got issues. And we can be so sidetracked in this world with the things it has to offer. We can run after all of these things, and they're all good things in and of themselves. But I'm telling you, it's about the priorities in life. Last week, I stood at the Civic Center and talked to this community about what's going on with violence and crime. And the resounding message from from both the, the sheriff and I and Tom Moore, who's our superintendent of public schools, was this. The American family is in trouble. Our families are under attack. And and if you want to help out, start at home. But guys, I got to tell you, it starts with us. If we want to save the next generation, it starts with us. So my challenge for you this morning, are you up for it? We're told in the book of Joshua that if we'll do what's written in here, Not only will we make our way prosperous, we'll have success, and not just success, good success. See, we serve a God of adventure. He's not a killjoy. He's the author of adventure. And my question for you this morning is, will you let him write the adventure story with you? It's way, way better than anything you've got. Amen. I'm going to close this morning in prayer, so... If I could just have every head bowed, every eye closed across this place this morning. You're here this morning and doggone it, maybe God's just tapping on your shoulder. Maybe your priorities just gotten a little skewed. This morning I want to pray for you and and I'm not asking anyone to come forward, but if you're in that boat this morning and you'd identify with what I had to say this morning and you want to get some priorities straight, I want to mention you in prayer, not by name, but as a group. If that's you this morning, can I just see a raised hand across this place? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Could we all stand this morning? We serve an awesome God, don't we? He's got so many cool things for all of us to do mind can imagine but this morning I want to pray for those that have raised their hand I'm going to pray for myself as I continually do my check off list make sure things are in order we've got work to do folks it's every hand on deck but this morning let's pray shall we Father God this morning 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for hmm, that tapping on our shoulder. Maybe things have gotten a little out of hand. And Father, by those that asked for prayer this morning, I'm raising of their hands that it seems that could be true. And so this morning, like you talk to me on that hillside, I'm asking that you talk to these folks. Help them to arrange the things in their life that need to be prioritized properly. I know you can do it. They can do it too. So this morning, Father, I just pray that maybe today would be a new day. Show them. Show them how to make the change. And this morning for the rest of us, God, I ask that we continually be reminded of what's important in life. Father God, our, our families are in trouble across this nation, and I pray for men everywhere that we would take our rightful place in the home. Let the change start with us. Today, God, thank you that you care for us so much. What an awesome privilege to serve you. And we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope this message has strengthened and encouraged you. Join us again next week for another great podcast with Victory Church where we're helping people win.